everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Episode 376, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in Sydney, just in between travel. Uh, it hasn't been as easy as one might hope uh, while travelling to get time, let alone... Um, effort and energy uh, to get you a podcast that you deserve uh, rather than just talking to a microphone in New York City's Central Park. Um, lots to get through though uh, this week on 374 as we lead up to the Apple event next week. I won't go into much detail, in fact any at all, about the Apple event next week. I'll cover that extensively with Stephen Fennick on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Uh, if you want a preview of um, what Apple has coming next week then uh, jump over and subscribe and download Two Blokes Talking Tech. Um, I will be in San Jose next week heading to Cupertino for the event at Apple Park. So uh, hopefully we can give you a bit of a download on that from Cupertino next week. Um, bit of IFA news. I want to want to give you my, my favourite couple of things from IFA uh, this episode. A bunch of calls. We're going to talk about MBN. We're going to talk about Wi-Fi. We're going to talk about a few things there. Um, I'm going to bring you an interview I uh, conducted while I was in Germany Um at IFA with the CEO of Dyson. Uh, now, fascinating bloke because obviously Dyson's just such a huge company. So I'll bring you that conversation shortly. Um, and we're also going to talk to Tim Falinski from Trend Micro about a really cool competition they've got for school kids, uh, primary school kids aged 5 to 12, to design a poster, potentially win cash and some home security, internet security products, uh, and maybe even some cash for your school. So it's a really cool um uh, competition that kind of sheds light on the, um, I guess, the dangers of the interwebs uh, and, uh, and you know, what risks are out there. And it's a really good way of, of doing that. And uh, well, so we'll talk to Tim Falinski about that. So lots to get through. All thanks to the good people at Alcatel um, with their great range of low-cost, um, high-quality smartphones. The, uh, the A3 XL at Vodafone now, the U5 at Vodafone. And, geez, there's some good products coming up. Um, I might tell you about the smartwatch a little later. Uh, for kids, very, very cool. Uh, thanks to Garmin, satellite navigation, GPS technology. I just logged on to garmin.com.au and saw the new Vivo Active 3. What a cool looking watch this is. So I'll tell you about that shortly. And of course, Trend Micro, uh, internet security. Um, keep yourself protected across all your devices. That is the show coming up. Uh, get in touch anytime you like. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Tweet me at Trevor Long. Uh, jump onto the Facebook page, so trevorlong.com should still take you there. Let's get cracking. Let's get techie. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. But Trevor Long's the world's best techie. He's the kind of guy we picked on at school. And it wasn't fair. bit of good news around for uh, mobile phone customers in Australia this week and it's all because Apple's got a new phone coming out next week. Every telco needs to get their I was going to say their, their SHIT together. They need to get their, their host house in order when it comes to data plans and um, competitiveness in the market because there's a lot of people going to be looking, oh I want the new iPhone and they're going to be comparing products and uh, they're going to be thinking about whether or not that's the, um, uh, that's the deal for them so all the telcos have got to get got to get savvy, got to get smart. Vodafone relaunched uh, a few weeks ago with their whole no contracts, uh, interest um, interest free um, device payments, things like that. So this week Telstra went hard. Now I got to tell you, these Telstra deals are very good. And the other one this week was Kogan. So Kogan have essentially just added more data. Now full credit to them. We talked about this quickly on Two Blokes Talking Tech as well. But full credit to Kogan. They haven't just launched new plans. They've launched uh, updates to their existing plans, which apply to every single person who has a Kogan plan. So if you're in the middle of a 30 days, let alone 365 days with Kogan, you get the new data allowance. That's a big deal, right? Normally, um, if you're midway through any sort of payments, you're, uh, you don't get whatever's new. 
So the new data allowances with Coke can go up to 16 gigabytes now. Um, and if you were getting 14 last month, you're going to get 16 this month. That's a cracker. That's really good. It's a great way for Kogan to approach their customers, and I think they should be um, uh, well, I don't know, rewarded for that, but they should be congratulated for that. Now, Telstra have taken a slightly different tack. New data plans, definitely, and they seem very competitive. Uh, certainly not the best in market, as always. You wouldn't expect that from Telstra. But uh, So, for example, $99 a month on a contract to get 20 gig, you're going to need to pay more than that to get a phone. Um, you know, I'm getting 22 gig with um, Vodafone on $60 a month. So it's still a fair way different. SIM only plans, though, $60 a month gets you 15 gig with Telstra. A prepaid $40 gets you 5 gig. So not the best in the market. But see, here's the thing. Telstra are now doing just enough to stop people leaving. So I think up until these new plans, I think people, especially looking at a new contract, new plan, new phone, would be looking at it going, ah. Oh, that's a lot of data over there, Optus and Vodafone. It's a good deal over there at Kogan or Aldi or wherever it is. And now, Telstra's done just enough to stop them leaving. So, do you know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I think a Telstra customer looks at it and goes, I know I'm not getting the best deal, but I'm getting a good enough deal. <laughs> so, I think that's the very interesting part of what... Um, uh, what Telstra's done with this new announcement. So they've got uh, six plans, uh, $59 for two gig, up to $199 for 100 gig. And by the way, they're $129, $149, $199 plans, which is a ridiculous amount of money to spend every month. I'm sorry, it is. Gives you uh, access to data roaming as well. So one gigabyte of data roaming uh, with a $129 plan. I use a gigabyte in a day when I'm roaming. So I think it's good they got roaming, but I think those prices are outrageous. Um SIM only plans go up to $99 a month for 30 gig and the prepaid goes to $60 a month for 10 gig. So, look, they are very, very, very much better than they were last week. But I'm not sure they're, you know, out of this park amazing. And that's, that's the real challenge, I think, for, um, for Telstra. So, look, if you're, if you're a Telstra customer and you're not leaving because of these plans, I get it. I totally understand. But um, I, I guess I just wish you would <laughs> consider what else is out there. But the other thing is they've enticed you now because if you're on the $99 or higher plan, you can get Foxtel now for free for 12 months only. So just And just so you know, after 12 months, they'll just start billing you the $10 a month for Foxtel now. So be careful there. Um, but, you know, free Foxtel now subscription if you're on $99 a month or more is a very good outcome. Uh, you are using video more than ever before, but it isn't data unlimited. You have to be careful how much data you use on your Foxtel streaming. But it's all good news. It's all good news for uh, telco customers. It's good news for the competitiveness in the market. And um, yeah, worth checking it out. So uh, check those new plans out. They're all at efgm.com. Uh, the Kogan plans are at koganmobile.com. Easy to find there. Um, yeah, I'd be interested in your views. What's what's a good deal these days? How much data are you actually... I, it won't, I know it won't solicit an overwhelming response as much as I would love it to. Um, but I would love to hear from you. I'd love to just know, even if you just get on Twitter, um, what, what is your plan? As in what, how much are you paying per month and how much data do you get? What, you, what is your plan and how much data do you get? That's all I want to know. Tweet me that. And who's your telco? I'd love to know that as well. Telco, cost, data. What are you getting? Be very interested to know. So let me know what's happening in your telco world, um, and we can um, we can be all self enlightened by that by sharing that information. Uh, this is your tech life. Your tech life with Trevor Long. Let's have a quick quick look here. August the tenth was the last review, so come on, folks. DD but DB Buzz. I'm pretty sure I read that one out, mate. I'm pretty sure I've read that one out. Um, been a very, I've been a very long time listening to this podcast, never written a review. However, it's time to speak up and let others know. Pretty sure I've read that. But otherwise, thank you, DB Buzz. Uh, jump onto iTunes, leave a review. Um, it'd be greatly appreciated. Now, two things at uh, IFA in Berlin that I saw that I loved. And by the way, we did a bunch of videos. Um, I had Rob following me around. We did our daily vlogs, which is a lot of fun. So you can find them on the Facebook page for FGM and also uh, the uh, the YouTube channel. Um Check out the videos because there's some cool stuff. But a couple of things of interest. Firstly, and I don't think this got enough attention. The Lenovo 
Jedi Challenger Augmented Reality Headset is awesome. $399. We've available in November. Uh, I, I still think it's just uh, witchcraft or something. I don't know how it works. It's a mobile phone that goes in the, in the device, but it doesn't sit in front of your face. It reflects in front of your face off a mirror, and that means you get this hologram-like effect, but it knows where you're looking. It knows how it works. Oh, it's, it's mind-blowing, really, how it works, and it's very, very cool. If you're a Star Wars fan, this is going to be really good stuff. And I have this sense that it's going to be one of the best augmented reality experiences out there in terms of headsets. It's not going to be anything like what Apple's doing with ARKit because it's going to be so much more accurate in ARKit. But um, Lenovo's doing it in a, you know, in a gaming sense, putting a headset on, playing with a lightsaber. So that's a really cool thing, and I do, I do encourage you to have a look at that. Um, I'll put some photos and some thoughts up at EFTM.com on that one. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, my God, did I? Gee whiz, I had the photos and everything. Um, otherwise, I did it on the Today Show. You can have a look at it there. But yes, I did. Lenovo's Jedi Challenger augmented reality headset will create a disturbance in the Force. Did you like that one? And I'm not even a Star Wars fan. I thought that was cool. Um, so yeah, check check that out. But the other one was this this kid's speaker. So um, it's called Juki, uh, and it looks like a big Bluetooth speaker. But the difference is um, it's a Wi-Fi Bluetooth speaker, and you don't need a phone connected to it to play music. So what you do is you program, and I haven't got the full details. It's not working on Spotify yet. It's working on some other music services. Hopefully they'll get that sorted before it launches properly commercially. But imagine five little uh, little toys. Uh, so one's a shark, one's a, one's a, I don't know, ghost, whatever. Little toys. And they sit on top of it. And when they sit on top of it, that toy activates a particular playlist. So it might be Trevor's playlist for this toy, Jackson's playlist with that toy, Victoria's playlist with this toy, Harrison's with that one, and Amanda's with this one. So each toy is a different person's playlist. And you put the toy on, the music starts. You let it play through a few songs, you take it off, you put another one on, a different playlist starts. You take it off, put the other one back on, it'll pick up where it left off. Not in the middle of the song, but pick up at the last song. It's a very cool product. Now, they reckon it'll be about $250. Um, it's, it's available online. Um, and I know how you can find it, because if you go to our Facebook page at EFTM, I did a video. And someone from Juki commented, like replied to every single comment with a link. So they were they were trolling the heck and trying to get some um, some coverage there. But good on them, uh, trying to sell some units. Just really cool idea. A really cool idea. I loved it. I think it's worth applauding, if you like. Uh, and I think it's worth checking out, folks. Um, yeah, enjoy that. Um, and I reckon if you've got kids, wait till that one hits market properly. It's probably not the best thing to get as a Kickstarter, but once it hits market, really cool product. I hope they're able to bring that to, to proper retail. Um, check that out. I've put a video up on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. It's called Juki, J-O-O-K-I. Uh, you can find it online as well. Uh, this is Your Tech Life. And we do it thanks to the good people at Garmin. The Vivo Active 3 is available now. It's uh, certainly on their website anyway. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's a GPS smartwatch with contactless payments and wrist-based heart rate. So your sports and your purchases are a tap away with Vivo Active 3. This sporty smartwatch includes built-in GPS, more than 15 preloaded indoor and outdoor sports apps, and Garmin Pay Ready, allowing you to leave your phone and wallet at home to th um, thanks to this new payment method. Wrist-based heart rate gives you access to fitness monitoring features and all-day stress tracking. So if you've got no wallet, that's no problem. The Vivo Active 3 includes Garmin Pay, um, secure payments from your watch. It's a very cool idea. I need to investigate this a whole lot more, folks. Um, see which banks and which cards are available. I wonder if it's Android Wear. I don't know. I have so many questions for the people at Garmin. Um, but you should check it out. It's the Vivo Active 3. It's got a big new tag next to it, along with the new Vivo Move HR. Uh, it's got additional um, information now on the wrist screen. But, geez, it looks like a nice product, so uh, check that one out. The Vivo Active range, um, the Vivo Move, the Vivo Active, new products. So check them out at garmin.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Get in touch if you've got a question or a story about technology, uh, eftm.com. Chris is on the line. G'day, Chris. G'day, Trevor. How are you today? Good, buddy. Not in the car driving like you, which is something I love doing. So what's happening, mate? Uh, not a lot. Just heading up to Orange. Um, yeah, taking a couple of hours off from work. And uh, um, yeah, just had a um, had the NBN put on about uh, just over three weeks ago now. And, okay. Um, yeah, from, um, from 
disappointment to be pretty happy. So what was the disappointment, uh, mate, uh, initially? Beg your pardon, sorry? What, what was the disappointing part? Um, when um, I follow you guys a fair bit, and um, I was pretty impressed with, um, you know, when you joined up with Aussie Broadband, mm. and uh, so I went with them, um, went on to the 50-20 uh, deal. Yep. And the day came and we looked up and I was, um, it was only uh, 28. Um, the download speed was only 28. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and you were just, testing yeah. that, obviously, uh, connected, plugged in, you were doing all the right things to get that speed. What did you do to to look into it? Did, was Aussie Broadband responsible or was it something else? No, no, it wasn't them. I did ring them. Um, I um, Previous week I bought a... Uh, Netgear Orbi, so I'd, um, I'd have everything um, pretty spot on. Mm. Um, so I rang them that night and, and they said that I was probably around um, 800 or 1,000 metres from the um, from the node, so they said that's probably all you could, could expect. Right. Um, so I was thinking, oh, well, I'll just have to drop back to the, to the 25 yep. deal. Uh, and over the last few years I've been mucking around with my... TV for a while to, you know, and realised how important it was for the cabling to be yes. right to get the, the best picture. So I figured, well, perhaps it's the same with the with the with the phone line. Hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, what I did, I I, I had four outlets in the house. Um, so I went, I just unplugged them all and looked for the main cable from the street, um, which was uh, the black cable coming in from outside. And yeah which was in the bedroom, hooked up, um, moved the uh, motor and everything up there, and it, and it jumped up to 36. Jesus. So I thought, well, you're beauty. Um, but there were still three other outlets in the house that was after that. So I thought, well, maybe if I disconnect all those, I can, um, you know, improve it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wouldn't be able to keep the motor and everything in the bedroom. I wouldn't get approval for that. So um, <laughs> I rang <ran> up... <laughs> I rang my um, electrician and just see what, what we could do, what was legal, what wasn't, and we ended up um, taking it directly to the lounge room, um, straight to the wall plug, put the, you know, the latest wall plug in and yeah. put the modem straight in there and bang, I went to 44 to 45 download yeah. speed. So, yeah, so, so just to be clear, you, you disconnected, literally cut off all the other phone uh, points in the house. Which, you know, years ago we used to have multiple phone points, you know, phone in every room and that kind of thing. Uh, you disconnected all those and, and got the, the lead-in from the street, basically, uh, a new a new lead-in from, from the street put to the lounge room where you where you needed the modem, uh, and you got an electrician yep. to do that, and you're now getting consistent 44 speeds uh, despite having got 28 when you first connected. That's correct, yeah, consistent. So 40, 44, 45, and around the 16 download, and... and you know, sometimes when I do a, a speed test and it's um, it comes up a bit shorter than that, mm. I know that it's still coming in fast, so I'll redo it straight away and it'll jump straight to 45. So I, I think any speed test that you do, you really should do two or three in a row. Just oh, mate, absolutely. You've really got to get some form of... Uh of average out of it, you know. There's there's ups and downs, especially yeah. when there's other people doing stuff too. Oh, that's a really good yeah. story, mate. It's a very I love hearing those things because they're the, uh, that's not something I would have thought about. I would never have thought yeah. about that. Well, that's why I thought I'd email you because I, I just knew that you'd get a bit frustrated with with all these negative things about the NBN, and um, <laughs> not, not not always was um, you know straight down to the NBN fatter and. Well, I'm glad you're getting something decent now. You're on fibre to the node, and you're getting around 50, but you probably couldn't get more than that, I'm tipping. Well, because it's only a $5 jump, I've, for next month I've upgraded just um, to see how far it will go. Yeah, so yeah, bloody oath. To the 100, and um, maybe there's no turning back once you get there. But uh, Well, you know what? Um, for 5 bucks, uh, if you get to 60... You might think that's worth it. You might not, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what you get. Let me know what you end up getting on the higher plan, mate. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. And, um, yeah, and, and thanks again. You know, I think it's terrific that the Aussie Broadband, that, that you went and did it first. Otherwise, we probably 
would never have known about it. Well, mate, I appreciate that. It's um, I, I'm literally struggling to switch away and, and try someone else because I'm, I'm having such a consistent service. But um, if well, I do switch you, away, mate. I'll probably be back, that's for sure. Good on you, mate. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out, letting me know. And, mate, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the drive. Good on you. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, buddy. And uh, it's a great story, great uh, way of... Uh, you know, uh, tenacity, finding out what was wrong there too. You know, could have just stuck with that and been really frustrated. That's very interesting. Very interesting story and good one for people who are connecting via fibre to the note. Uh, you're listening to Your Tech Life. Get in touch anytime you want. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Send me an email. We'll have a chat, see if we can help you out. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, yes, you can go to a Vodafone store now and buy the um, Alcatel A3XL, the U5. Great smartphones, $99, $179. Great for the first smartphone. Or, um, or kids' smartphone. or um, There's a bunch of people that's perfect for. They've got some great new products coming. I saw at IFA, the A7, the A7XL, the Idle 5. But the one I, I loved, and I'll, I'll put a video up of this guy as well um, once I've had one of the kids play with it for a while, is their, is their Move Time Watch. It's a smart watch for kids. It has a SIM card built in, so it's 3G capable now for the Australian market. Um, and so your kids can contact you in an emergency when they're away, like walking around. They can message their mates, you know, using emojis. Um, but they can also be contacted by you. So you can open an app and see where they are. You can set up geofences to know if they've left an area. I think it's awesome. Now, the thing is, these watches have been around for a while, especially in the States, but they've always been 2G. So not a product anyone would bring to market here. I think all the telcos are going to love this. I think this thing is going to be a big seller here in Australia because parents are looking for something like this that gives them a bit of peace of mind. And I think it's only going to be about 150 to $200. I reckon once the telcos get involved, it'll probably be like a $200 product with maybe a year's worth of connectivity included. So yeah, really cool product worth checking out. Um, that one is from our mates at Garmin who are great and proud sponsors of this here very show. So when I was in Germany, um, I was given the opportunity to sit down with the CEO of Dyson, Max Kons. Now, Max uh, spared me some time just moments before a press conference, so I appreciate that. Here um, in the distorted, noisy uh, room um, that, that is the Dyson press conference just before it happens uh, is my chat with uh, CEO of Dyson, Max Kons. <laughs> We're here in Berlin uh, and we're about to kick off things with IFA, a huge global trade show, a lot of home appliances. And uh, I think one brand a lot of people would associate with uh, with the home is Dyson. And uh, CEO of Dyson is uh, Max, Kons, Max Kons, and he joins me right now. G'day, Max. Yeah, hey, how are you? Very you're really good. well. Um, to talk, we're, we're, we're in Berlin. IFA is a big trade show, but you're not going to take, take Dyson to the trade show this year. You've kind of taken Dyson to the streets, I guess, because you want people to actually experience the product. Well, exactly. We, we, we thought, uh, you know, we like doing things a bit different here and there, and so we thought we'd try something different. And, and in fact, in different cities around the world, we, we've kind of, you know, been taking over cities because what, what we find, what's the most important thing is that people get their hands on our technology, can try it, feel it, experience it. And, you know, we've done this in London and in, in Dusseldorf and Shanghai and other places. And so this week in Berlin and indeed over the weekend, we'll have over 60 teams, you know, with our court-free machines in the middle of the city, you know, showing to people on the street how they work. And uh, we're doing this little event where we're at, you know, kind of as part of that and just so we can update... Uh, uh, everyone on what's happening with Dyson. So let's talk two key kind of, I guess let's just rather than products, technologies. Um, and I think the supersonic is a good example of um, basically the, the motor technology that you have. It's kind of the inherent in all of your products. Um, the supersonic was well received, I think, in, in the market. Yeah. It uh, has this quite high price tag, but I, I keep saying to people that's because of the long-term um, uh, warranty you get with it. It's, it's, uh, Dyson is a long-term product. It's not a you know, quick uh, use and burn product, is it? No, it's, it, it's not. And, and, and of course, it's the, the investments that we've made to develop it because we've really fundamentally reinvented a hairdryer, you know, developed a much smaller, much more powerful motor so you get better airflow put electronics and heat control into the machine so so that you get the the perfect drying of hair 
but it does but not what happens with all the other hair dryers that your hair gets burned a little bit and gets frizzy and all of that and that just costs money uh, but you know the test is when we give people the machine we've now sold over a million in the world I, I've yet to see anyone that wants to give their supersonic back and I have two daughters they're yeah. 17 and 18 and trust me if I took it away from them they would go berserk on me. I'm pretty sure my wife is also in that category so thank you <laughs> and, and then if, if you think uh, I think the other evolution especially in recent years is battery yeah um, now the, the cord free is a critical thing for the home because you know when you when you want to just go and clean up quickly the, the cord free is important though is battery the future though if you think about even your, your largest and most popular range of vacuums, should they be battery in the future as well? Yeah, so if, if, so really if, if you look at our uh, cord-free vacuum, so V8, if you take our latest machine, is really now as powerful as kind of the big machines of old, but you don't need a cable, has 40 minutes runtime, is very versatile, you can clean your home, clean the car, you know, do all of those kind of things. So we think that is the future. We're now selling three, four times as many of those than uh, as of the more conventional ones and of course we're investing in battery technology because we've completely reinvented motors by making motors that are very small but spin very fast so they're very powerful and the limiter really is battery technology and so we're spending a lot of money effort and engineers in solving some of the energy density issues around batteries so that so, people and, and, and so, so for people to understand a battery you could put a battery in anything and it will work but it either won't last very long or it won't have the power to do what well, it should exactly. be doing and so that's what you mean by investing yeah. battery technology yeah exactly so we're trying to make sure that that a you have batteries that are fade free so if you use our machine it'll over 40 minutes give you the same performance in minute one and the same performance in minute 40 and that really matters and by the way you know it's people overestimate how long it takes to clean a home in 40 minutes you can clean an awfully big you know big yeah, big don't time themselves cleaning not the house really. do they? And, and because it's a bit of a chore I, I find you know do it with a stopwatch when you clean you're going to overestimate the amount of time you no, spend I've, I've worked out I can do the dishes in 10 minutes and uh, I can get it done but I've never actually worked out what the floors would take yeah. um, so where, where does Australia fit in that market well I think we're a different market you know we talk about the purifier which has been a obviously a big global product, but you know, a market like Singapore is very different to a market like Australia. How, how is it for a company like Dyson that has a global approach that you have to separate markets like that? So sometimes some products won't come to some countries or they won't have the same cut through. Does that affect the way that you, I guess, bring products to market? Yeah, well, I mean, first, Australia is a really important market for us. You know, we've been in Australia a very long time. We have you know, kind of a, a, a deep connection with Australia and Australians. And, you know, Dyson is, uh, uh, is very popular in Australia and we make sure that any technology we develop is tested in Australian homes and all of that. Yeah. Then what we find on needs is that, at a, you know, kind of at a fundamental level, they're universal yeah. because you and I and everybody on this planet wants to live in homes that are clean, you know, that have air and an environment that is healthy. Yeah. And, you know, if we have enough hair, you know, maybe we both got the same problem. Yes, yeah, slightly <laughs> challenging for you and me, but uh, you know, for our better halves, and we want to look beautiful and have hair that is healthy. So yeah. that's quite universal. Now, then, you know, there are some differences underneath, um, and so we develop universal technology, but then we make sure that we can apply that technology as is relevant. So in places where there's more hardwood floors, we may have different floor tools than in places where there's more carpet uh, and so forth. Yeah, no. Okay. Now they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. But I wonder whether that's actually a complete insult to you because we were talking, we've talked previously about things like the, the hand dryers. Now, I'll be honest, when James Dyson came to Australia and launched that product, I thought it was crazy. I didn't understand why we would need such a thing, but I'm blown away by the penetration those things now have. Yeah. Um, but there are a bunch of other brands doing what I, I guess they would call similar things. Is it, is it flattery to see those or is it a bit insulting because they really don't do the same thing and people don't get that experience? Yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, I'm not sure it's flattery. We find it rather irritating because, you, you know, look, we're big believers in ideas, innovation, invention and competition, but we'd hope that more people would compete with us yeah. with their own ideas as opposed to everybody taking, you know, kind of the technology that we invent and then trying to make a copy of that. And, you know, our answer... Uh, to consumers everywhere in Australia would always be, look, take a Dyson machine and try it and, and be careful in trusting what competitors tell you. No? Is, uh, you'll see at IFA there's all kinds of companies that are now launching court-free machines because they've seen how successful we are. They start looking surprisingly similar to ours. The claims are surprisingly similar. 
Uh, but I'm very confident if you take a Dyson V8 in your home and you take any of those machines in your home, I know what you're going to decide. Uh, and I think that's the ultimate test. And then, of course, we have three and a half thousand engineers and, you know, we invest uh, like crazy in the technology of the future so that we stay ahead and we can make sure we solve the problems that matter and you have a machine that satisfies you. So I've spoken to, at a guess, 10 or 15 of your engineers over the years um, because with respect, there's really either you, James, or the engineers to talk to when yeah. a product comes out. And they're always fascinating to talk to because they just have a deep love for the company. And I think there's something... And I often say, Apple-esque about Dyson, it's, it's one of those companies, as an engineer, you must really want to work at. But you've just recently invested in ed education, um, research at a global level in the billions of dollars. You're a private company. Is that what allows that to happen? Because many public companies just couldn't invest that kind of money, and that's yeah. the challenge for them and, I guess, the benefit for you. Yeah, so, so we think being, you know, uh, private is a benefit for us because it lets us take the long view and also lets us take big risks. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, James is always, and I'm a big believer in investing in young people because, you know, if you take the brightest minds as engineers straight off university, you know, they know no bounds. They haven't been taught by somebody that things aren't possible. And then, you know, we apply their intelligence to problems we want to solve. And often they, you know, arrive at very unusual solutions. And you reference air blade earlier you know that's a very unusual outcome you look at supersonic that's very unusual and we have another 120 projects like this in the hopper somewhere and that project i read somewhere that the timeline for that project spans potentially 20 years into the future yeah. i mean uh, it must be an interesting challenge as a CEO, CEO to see money be spent on something that may never come to market, yeah. let alone may not come to market in the realisation of the current financial even yeah. planning process. But that's an exciting thing, I guess, as a CEO. Yeah, no, it, it's really exciting and, and you, have to, you have to understand and believe in technology and you have to know, uh, you have to embrace failure for that, no? Be because the only way that you get to the supersonics of this world, the hairdryer that we just launched, is if you accept that in parallel there are one, two or three projects you know, that don't make it or that take five years longer to make it. But uh, you know, it's, it's, what we do isn't easy, but we get a kick out of it. And, and you know, we think it's a, if you want a worthy goal to apply one's energy and time to try to come up with products and technology uh, that solves problems that are meaningful. And we've just, next week is going to be very exciting for us because we're now doing a Dyson University. So we've done our own Dyson University called Institute of Technology. And next week, James and I, in our technology campus in, in England, will welcome 33 young students that have just finished high school. So in, you know, in the UK have done... You're basically giving those young students the potential to, to create develop well, their minds into yes. something that so, could... So, so they get the whole academic curriculum of engineering, you know, mechanical engineering, electronics engineering, software and everything. But also from day one, they get to work with really experienced engineers, including James, to work on, uh, you know, real problems. And, oh, by the way, because the way the scheme is built, uh, you know, they get paid for it. So it does make me want to become a student again. And, you know, we're, we're very proud that, uh, you know, 20% are women, which is, you know, still not as much as we wish, but is a lot more than the average uh, that you get in engineers. Uh, you know, and a lot of them had a choice between going to, you know, Cambridge or Oxford yeah. or Imperial, and they're choosing us. So it's a, it's a bar that's set high, but we're terribly excited to kind of welcome that youngest generation of aspiring engineers to our campus next week. There'll be interesting minds to follow in 20 years to see what ideas they came up with, which may or may not have hit the market. Just finally... Yeah, and they're we... certainly a lot smarter than me. So, <laughs> you know, if you talk to them, they, they do quite blow your mind and, and you feel rather humbled and you think, yeah. well... If I had to start my life again, I'm not sure I would make the application process. <laughs> the, the idea that, you know, you've got a roadmap potentially 20 years in advance, um, you know, obviously can't speak about what those things are, but is it likely that we'll be continually shocked by the things that Dyson's doing? Because I think I, I'm, I'm a bit of a car nut, so I think if you're doing amazing things with batteries, surely there's applications there in the electric car world and things like that. So is that part of the, the mantra of Dyson is not to look in any specific place or because it's out of the home does it get ruled out? Do you know what I mean? Is, yeah. is, there, is there a well, we, we, guideline? We, we, no. So, so you, you know, I, you know I, I never speculate, and James doesn't on what we do in the future, but we rule nothing out. Yes. And very deliberately, we do not set ourselves a limiter, such wow. as saying, well, we do things for the home or we do appliances, because we think that limits where... You would never have the supersonic if you had such limitations because well, it probably would have been vacuums. Where, where our technology and, and, you know, the innovation and the, the ideas in the minds of our engineers can take us. And... 
you know, we think we're very excited about more intelligent machines in the future. You know, we now have purifiers connected in 400,000 homes in the world. We now know we're learning more about pollution in people's homes around the world than anyone else. And that then helps us make machines that work even better in your home. So we're very excited about machine intelligence. We're very excited about reinventing what batteries can be. Um, you know, that may still take some time, but, uh, you know, electrification of so many things in the world, I think, is very, very meaningful, and we want to play a part in that. Uh, and we have 100, 120 projects at any point in time in the hopper. Not all of them will see uh, the light of the day, but, but they're just fantastic to apply one's energy to. Well, congratulations. Thank you for your time, and enjoy IFA. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Good talking to you. Thank you for listening. Uh, got a question about tech, got a problem with tech, or you just want to have a chat about anything tech in your life, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Peter's there. G'day, Pete. Hello, Trevor. How are you? Mate, really well. What can I do for you? Uh, well, I, I was just uh, ringing to um, comment on my experiences with the NBN. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Uh, a common question or a common uh, thing to have a conversation about these days. What's happened to you, mate? Have you got the NBN already? Yes, I have. Um, we've been fitted with fibre to the node. Okay. Um, do you know how far away in, uh, from the node you are? Yes, I do. Um, we're about uh, 550 metres. I've okay. measured it using Google Maps. Oh, beautiful. And um, how long ago did you get connected? We've been connected for just on six months or so. Okay. And who did you connect with? Which telco? Uh, we ended up going with Telstra, um, basically because I anticipated there might be some problems, and I wanted a, <laughs> uh, um, a larger provider who could, could respond. Now, most importantly, what plan did you choose? Uh, originally, I went for the their base plan, the uh, 25 5, I think it's called, okay. 25 down, uh, 5 up. Yeah. Um, but because my wife works from home mm. um, and does a fair bit of um, Skype business calling and mm -hmm. video conferencing, um, we were finding that just a little bit insufficient so right. I upped it to um, the 50 the 50, 50 yep. and um, didn't quite get there our, our service has been delivered at about 40 okay. um, megabits per second right and and is that uh, that measurement of 40 is that happening um, by via Ethernet at the at the modem or are you you're using Wi-Fi Where, where's the measure happening no that's happening at Ethernet at the at the router okay. the modem um, and then I've got Wi-Fi um, through through the house. Right. So, and has it been so, consistent for you over that time? No, it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't. Um, I had initially I had quite a lot of problems. It actually mm. dropped to very poor response. Um, um, pretty typically, you know, when you know after the kids got home from school, oh, yeah. when seemed to be when Netflix was being turned on. So from about four o'clock right through to about ten o'clock at night. Mm. Um, dropped to very, very poor speeds, and mm. I complained bitterly to Telstra, who um, um, <clears throat> eventually responded. I had good good information because I uh, had a, a bit of software that I downloaded that, that checks the speed um, every half hour, and I could very easily demonstrate when the speed was yeah, poor right. and the speed good, was good. okay. Data wins, <laughs> very good. And so what did they do as a result? I don't know precisely what they did, but I did, certainly got notification that they um, um, uh, were upgrading the line, whatever that meant. Mm. Um, so uh, whether that was getting more capacity on the system from the NBN, I don't know. Yeah. But um, you didn't see any work. You didn't see any work being done in the street or anything like that. Uh, there was certainly work being done on the node. Right. So, okay. Uh, um, I saw that happening, and but it was but they were doing work all around the place. So right. as I said, this is a fairly new year. And it was only happening for probably probably about the first month and then it seemed to correct itself. And I've been okay. monitoring pretty very closely after that and, and it's delivering about forty regularly. Every now and then it drops drops down to about twenty five, mm. um, around about, you know, nine o'clock or so. But yeah, right. um, no but, but are you on a contract are you on a contract with Telstra now? Am I on a contract? With Telstra? Yes, 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 yeah, I right. am. So, so um, it would be interesting um, to know. I mean, I know I bang on about it, but I'd be very interested to know what it's like if you literally just switch telcos, um, because you know, telco to telco. I, my guess is the upgrade they did to the line was simply capacity at your local 
what they call POI, the point of interconnect to the MBN. Um, yep. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they were they were swamped, and so they added some, which is great and gives you that space. Um, but, you know, even 40 on a 50 plan isn't great. I mean, I'd be wanting to see 45 now and then. Drop down to 40, sure, but, you know, I'd want to be getting up to 45. Uh, interesting also to know what the maximum you can get is. Uh, I don't know whether they've done a, um, I think they call it a qualification or service qualification to know whether or not you can actually get more than that. Not that you really want it, I'm assuming, but... Um, yeah, I mean, in in the future, I think it would be worthwhile ensuring that you're always open to the idea that when you when your contract comes around, can you get a better service elsewhere? Now, especially now that you've you've gotten through the hard part potentially of the actual install and all that all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I'd be perfectly happy to get get uh, slightly more speed. Uh, um, we've had we've had lots of issues with copper in our area. It's been mm. the area was serviced, uh, you know, many decades ago. So yeah. we've got old copper and it's had. Had lots of issues with ADSL. Lots, but lots has been replaced, and mm. I've seen a, a few spaghetti junctions around the around the area. Yeah. Um, so I'm not surprised the copper's not so great. But but, but um, your your speed test program is showing a, a more consistent speed since that first month. Yes. Well, I, well, before before the NBN was um, um, actually put on, I had lots mm. of problems with ADSL. Yeah. And and. As I said, they did a did a fair bit of work replacing various bits and pieces. So the line into my house has been replaced. Mm-hmm. The connection to the street um, has been fixed a couple of times. There's been another piece of copper wire that's been replaced um, further down down the street. So there's at least three or four um, times when they've replaced various bits of yep. the yep. Of, of the copper wiring, and it's been fairly stable since then. And when I transferred to the NBN, um, it's been you know after the initial problems, it's been been quite stable. I have I have Cat six Ethernet wiring through mm-hmm. the house yep. when we moved in. Put that in to make sure that um, I've got you know very reliable connection through the house. Yeah, well that's good. Well, mate, it sounds like you're in a reasonably good place now. I think the only thing left for you is is down the track to consider or not whether or not you could get um, a different outcome on speed. Uh, and sure. and reliability with a different ISP. Um, you know, Telstra have got a lot on their plate. They've got the biggest network. They've got the biggest number of customers, and that can't be easy to keep up with. So for people like you who are, you know, clearly um, across what they're doing and getting data, you know, minute by minute, essentially, hour by hour, um, you, you'll definitely notice a difference ISP to ISP, whereas a lot of other people probably wouldn't notice because they're just happy that they've got a connection. Uh, you know, my wife only notices when Stan stops working. You know, she's watching a movie and it stops. The internet's down. Um, uh, she couldn't care less what the speed is, just as long as it's there. Oh, that's good advice, Trevor. I'll, I'll certainly certainly pursue that. Certainly pursue that. All right, mate. Well, very good uh, to hear your experience, and hopefully it continues to be a positive one, and I'd love to hear more as it, uh, as it evolves for you, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. No worries, Trevor. Cheers. Happy to hear your stories, folks. Uh, EFTM.com. Get in touch. Uh, say good day. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, great to have your company. If you want to get in touch, go to the website, EFTM.com. Uh, happy to take your comments and feedback as well via Twitter, at Trevor Long, and uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long. Now, if we were to think about uh, education and kids and how difficult that is to be a teacher right now, you've got to imagine that cybersecurity is... Uh, not at the top of the list of things that teachers uh, want to be worried about, but they kind of have to be. And at the same time, it's a, it's a problem for parents as well. I mean, a lot of parents don't understand cybersecurity, don't understand the threats that exist on the internet. And so I really like this idea from Trend Micro. They've got um, a competition running at the moment called Watch Your Story. It's just kicked off and allows uh, kids aged 5 to 12 to uh, design a poster that relates to internet security and if anything, that shines a light. If anything, that raises awareness. So I thought we'd talk to uh, Tim Falinski from Trend Micro about it. G'day, Tim. Hi, Trevor. Mate, um, it's a great idea, the competition. How many years has it been running for? What's your story? Uh, this has been running uh, through Trend Micro for around 10 years now and right. in Australia for at least the last five years. Um, but it's a global initiative that our CEO herself started up because one of our founding principles is that we want to make the uh, internet safe for and everyone 
you know, for including kids to enjoy their digital lives. Yeah. So it's one of those education programs that her office directly runs with us globally. And you've had a bunch of different uh, topics and themes over the years. Uh, connect with the internet. What does the internet mean to me? There's a whole range of things. The, it's my happy place. I, I really like the um, the concepts behind uh, the competition. And every year it's a theme. And so what we've got this year is is quite. I, I, I think this is a really challenging theme more than anything else. You're suggesting to, to kids... We're connected to the internet in more ways than ever. So what would you do to make the internet a safer place? And you're asking them to draw a poster that kind of answers that question. So what do you expect to see from kids there? Is it often um, a little bit insightful? Is it a little bit fun? What sort of things do you normally get as a response to these kind of questions? We actually get a range of, of different things, Trevor, and it's um, it's quite interesting to, to take the time once they all come in and have a look at them to actually update us, uh, especially and in, in globally and also locally, exactly, you know, how are kids being affected by the internet? So yeah. with the topic uh, this year, what we came up with is that we're seeing the over the last 12 months, and it's going to accelerate in the next 12 months, uh, a massive growth in IoT inside the homes mm. and all the different ways that we connect, you know, like traditionally when you and I would talk and we talk about connecting to the internet, we think of a computer. And, you know, we've added in recent years phone and tablets. But, you know, kids are getting on the internet in so many different ways. Even their Xboxes now and PlayStations have full-blown internet access. Their TVs uh, have internet yeah. access. You're even getting fridges now with internet access. So, you know, the, the kids of, of tomorrow, they're going to be using the internet in more ways than ever. And it's just harder to stay protected when everything is actually inter- internet connected. And that's what we're asking the kids to think about. You know, we, you know, how do you stay safe when you're being bombarded all the time now with this kind of information? And I guess that's the thing that parents need to understand right now, isn't it, too? Um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we talk about uh, uh, make sure you install antivirus and you'd have it on your computer. But now uh, you've got to make sure you're getting an internet security product that uh, works across multiple devices, your tablet, your smartphone, your computer, plus... You've got the issue of the fridge, the TV, those devices. And my, my favourite, well, not favourite, but my regular conversation starter here is, is the iPod Touch. So many families have either an iPod Touch or an old old phone without a SIM card in it, which they give to their kids as their little touchscreen gaming device that they use you know, when they get screen time. And it's great, but there's no software on there that stops them accessing adult websites, that stops them you know, clicking on, on a link that they shouldn't. That's that's a whole other world for parents to understand, let alone security companies like you to prevent and help, um, you know, keep secure. It definitely. And, and this is where, you know, we want the kids to, to actually think about that. But, you know, what we see with a lot of the posters and, you know, we meet the finalists is that the parents are definitely involved in the conversation with the kids and helping them prepare this. Um, or even the, the school teachers, and it sort of gives them an ability, uh, you know, the parents and the teachers, to realise the ways that the kids are now touching it, and it, you know, it's going to help, you know, the parents themselves be in touch with how they should talk to their kids mm. about what internet security is in the world of tomorrow, because it has moved so much, and um, I, you know, I think it's going to even move further in the in the next couple of years when we even go now that watches are becoming even more connected. Yeah. Um, you know, cars themselves are becoming connected. Everything's becoming connected. So uh, our shopping experience when we walk through a, a shopping centre will soon be connected up and they'll track you as you walk through the, the shopping centre. So, um, you know, being safe on the internet tomorrow, I think, is something definitely we need to need to think about. Does it blow you away when you see kids' uh, drawings? Uh, you know, because they're, they're, they're getting out the crayons or the, or the pencils and they're, they're doing a, a poster. They're, they're drawing on an A4 or an A3 bit of paper and they're taking a photo and it's sending it to you guys. Um, and I think what's interesting is that, you know, I was looking at one of the entries from last year, uh, two sides of the internet it was the most magnificent drawing split into the, you know, child in a bedroom, you know, the internet full of education, ideas, entertainment. And then down in the, in the other side, it's about stranger danger and cyber bullying. It's, it's quite amazing what's in their minds, right? Well, uh, you know, it really does open our eyes up to how we should be thinking about our messaging going forward to kids. So, you know, it, even ourselves, we look at that, and, and I know that we take feedback not just from the Australian competition, but the ones we run from everywhere, from Ireland through to the US, through everywhere, to think about how we can actually protect a world of tomorrow. Because these kids give us insights that we half the time haven't even thought about. Like when we put this topic together, we thought we're going to think hear things about 
you know, TVs, etc., of how I connect to the internet. But we're, we're actually waiting with the anticipation to realise some of the ways that these kids are actually connecting. And I, I do a lot of uh, school talks throughout the year and to, to try and, you know, help educate kids on what cybersecurity is and what they should do. And, you know, you generally have a little Q&A session at the end and the kids are able to ask questions and you ask them things. And uh, I've got to say that some of the stories I've heard about, you know, when they've, they've thought they've had stranger danger and uh, and all the other kind of things that are going on are from areas that I haven't even thought about before and going, yeah, you know, just in, in something simple as that, mm. you know, you've got to be careful with what you're doing. And what's amazing is that the kids, I think, are more attuned to it than we than we, than we know. Um, so it, it's a great education experience, not only for the kids, but also for us as well. Have you, um, does this normally, this competition, does it run through parents or does it run through schools? Where where do you get the bulk of the entries from? Um, traditionally, we've got the bulk of the entries uh, with the parents, you know, working with the kids. But what we've seen over last year, so we're putting a lot more focus on it this year, is schools have now become more and more involved with that. Um, schools, are, I think, are taking internet security and cyberbullying and everything as a topic that they need to discuss with kids from a younger age mm. because it is, unfortunately, a little bit more prevalent. So they take a competition such as this as an ability to have something that they can talk to the kids about and the kids can go home then and, and do with the parents as well, and it becomes more of a community feel behind it. So mm. we have uh, altered what we're doing this year to actually reflect that the schools are definitely becoming more involved in this kind of a thing. And it's not just a little Trend Micro subscription, which is an important subscription to have that you win. You're giving away a big dollar prize, $1,500 across different parts of Australia. And then the major prize for the overall winner is another $1,500. And there's even money for the school that uh, that the child goes to. Correct. So what we've done is that uh, traditionally we've had uh, two or three winners, but we've actually uh, split the country into five zones. So therefore, there'll be a winners in each one of those zones, plus a national champion, if that's a way of putting it. And we will naturally give them a bit of our software, but there's also a cash prize to that person and that child and their school as well for that. So mm. we wanted to, to repay the kids for, for what they're doing and sort of give them something to strive for. And just to digress slightly, but one of the one of the prizes is your home network security box. How's that going for you? Because... I imagine, I mean, I've used it. I think it's a pretty unbelievable product, but I wonder if it's a tough sell for, you know, for retailers, let alone anyone else, to to explain to people what's required here and why it's required. But once people are hooked, once people realise why they need it, it's it's a pretty easy decision. How's the sales of that, that little box going? Uh, sales of that box is actually going quite well. We've been uh, uh, quietly surprised. Um, and we're also finding that a lot of our customers, uh, when it's coming up time for renew, are actually upgrading to include the box in their uh-huh. renewal uh, package with us. And I think it's uh, once they use it especially, you know, a lot of positive feedback we're getting. So, you know, we built the box around providing security to all those devices that you can't do, like the TV, like the PlayStation Xbox, yeah. like the iPod Touch, as you mentioned before. But, uh, you know, whilst the security is there, what the parents are loving is that ability to manage and control what their kids are doing inside the house, including understanding what their kids are doing. So we have different settings where you can just straight out block. Um, We have another setting where you can notify. So when you get teenage kids and they start to have a look at those websites as they're exploring the internet, you know, you can get notified about that and have that conversation, which may not be easy, but at least you know when the right time is to have those conversations with them. So we're getting a lot of feedback for the parents that what it's doing is giving them that sort of insight to to help manage and control what's going on inside the house, which is probably where they were feeling most um, alone and uh, they didn't know what was happening. Yeah, it's a, it's a great device, works really easily. The app is simple, straightforward. The the setup process, the, the device is all managed very easily through the app. It's a great little thing. Uh, the competition, uh, What's Your Story, is open now. Uh, I think there's a, a month or two for people to get in and uh, get their kids drawing. Hopefully that'll happen through schools and also at home. Uh, the simple question is we're connected to the internet in more ways than ever, so what would you do to make the internet a safer place? Get your kids to draw a little poster that uh, answers that question. Uh, they can enter uh, online or through their school. Simple stuff, Tim, and, and a great little uh, competition. We look forward to seeing what some of those uh, entries are as they come through. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
Thank you for listening. Episode 376 of your tech life. If you've got a tech question, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Angus did that. G'day, mate. Yeah, g'day. What can I do for you, buddy? Mate, I've, um, I've got an old Apple AirWatch um, set up. At, uh, sorry, not AirWatch. Um, what was it called? Airplay. Air, what's it called? No, you're talking about the Wi-Fi system? Yeah, sorry, the oh, Wi-Fi. I forget what it's called. Um, hmm. <laughs> Airport Express. There Airport Express. Yeah, I never used one. I'll be yeah. honest. But uh, so, what do you use that yeah. for? Is that a is that the Wi-Fi network I mean, or is that the range extender? Yeah, yeah, it's the range extender um, oh, right. through the Apple suite of products, setting up sort of like a pseudo mesh network. Yeah. But my problem is, I've got a double brick house, and um, I'm just not getting the range through my house for my Netgear Arlo system. So I'm looking at a a new mesh system hmm. to replace that. But uh, as with everything with young families these days, money is a bit of a concern. Yep, totally. So, you know, there's a few on the market. Um, so the Arlo's are the thing that are struggling to get network connection. Yeah, correct. So I've oh, there's a fourth one I'm about to test, but uh, I've tested the Orbi, I've tested the Linksys VLOP, and I've tested the Google Wi-Fi. Um, mate, they're all great. Um, there's no doubt Orbi's the best, but it's also the most expensive, and that's your kicker as a as a young family. I'm tipping. Um, mm. I'm currently using the Google Wi-Fi, uh, and yeah. mate, it's great. I mean, the real the real advantage of Orbi happens when you're doing a lot within your network. Uh, so, or you've got a high traffic network. So, what Orbi does sure. is it separates the the backhaul traffic, the traffic that needs to go back out to the internet, separates that out so it's not congested with all the in- internal traffic. So, yep. if you have 50, 60 devices on Google Wi-Fi, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slow down. It's not going to be ideal, whereas on Orbi, mm. it, it could cope with that plus more. But, mate, 400 bucks for Google Wi-Fi, um, pretty yeah. darn good solution. How big's the house? Uh, look, it's a four-bedroom house, but all single story. Mm. Um, and I do – I am a bit of a techie nerd, so I do run uh, a lot of Internet of Things stuff. Yeah. Um, couple of tablets, uh, Philips Hue – a couple of different camera systems and then the usual devices around the house connecting uh, tablets, phones, computers, stuff like that as well. See, you can get the... Or there's three types of Orbi now and there's going to be more. So the top one is 749 bucks, right? That's the, the big mother. But then you come down to the uh, RBK40, which is slightly smaller satellite. So the actual device is just slightly smaller. Um, that's only yep. 599 um, So that comes down okay. you know, a, a bit. Uh, still $200 more than, than your Google Wi-Fi, but it's going to provide the same coverage as the three-system uh, Google Wi-Fi with a better backhaul. And then there's the RBK30 Orbi, which is the one little kind of router, and then there's the it's a PowerPoint plug-in, kind of like the Airport Express. Airport Express is mm. a PowerPoint plug-in, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah. So the thing about the 399 Orbi, right? So there's an Orbi you can get for 399 um, I just mm. worry that it, the PowerPoint plug-in version of it is going to be similar to what you have now, and I just worry that's going to end up not being the ultimate solution. I'd, yeah, yeah, certainly. If, if you err on the side of uh, caution, you could probably go mid-range and end up with the 599 Orbi. And then what you can do is, if it's not 100% perfect, you can save for an extended Orbi so you can get another Orbi satellite in the future. But I would have thought, um, I would have thought the 599 Orbi would do the trick. Uh, I, I yep. have no doubt the Google Wi-Fi will work. I just worry about your congestion because of the the number of IoT things you've got. Yeah, certainly. And I'm guessing with the the Orbi, if I went down the middle of the range, um, I'd be able to incorporate some of the top of the range repeaters into that as well. That's a great question. Um, that is an excellent question. I don't know how that works with the interoperability. I'll have to ask them. But I would assume because so the Orbi RBK30 is a kind of mid-range one with uh, with a, a plug-in to to the wall. I, I actually think they would inter interrelate and work. But I need to confirm that, mate. I, I wouldn't want to give you a bump steer. Yeah, so no, I, leave that one with me and let me triple check. But um, if you can err on the on the mid-range, then I'd try to go the the six hundred dollar Orbi, and that's that's the list price at JB's. You might even get a couple of bucks off that. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And, and look, that'll give me the option as well with the uh, additional LAN connections in the back as well. Yeah, true. Uh, that's the, that's the great thing about those, mate. Google Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's the great thing about that. All right, mate. Good yeah, on you. Good beautiful. luck. And let no, us know how you go. Thanks for your help, Trevor. Cheers, mate.
Cheers, bye. And if you've got a question, uh, just like Angus, get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com. Well, that was intense. What a show. Uh, while everyone else podcasting is at a conference at the ABC, just talking about podcasting, I'm sitting here actually podcasting. I mean, that's what matters, folks. Uh, it is great to, to have you downloading every week. It is lovely to see the numbers of people who download every week. Um, still doing it in droves and in great numbers, well above the apparent uh, average in Australia. <laughs> um, I did listen to some of the conference. It was boring. Um, but it's great to have your company. It's great to hear from you regularly. So send me those emails. Get in touch if you've got a question, problem, anything. I'm on the radio every single night of the week, 8 o'clock on Talking Lifestyle, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Perth at 6 o'clock on digital radio. Uh, you can download that podcast as well, Talking Technology is what it's called. It's a whole lot more content. Um, same same stuff, different smell, if you like. Um, yeah, would love your uh, love your attention to all of the work that I do, obviously, and your regular patronage to EFTM.com. We have big things planned. We have great fun ideas coming up. But just stick along for the ride, folks. It's all good here. Uh, this is uh, Your Tech Life. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Garmin, Alcatel, and Trend Micro. Let's do it again all very soon, folks, here on Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.